But I'm glad that you're here this morning, and I pray that the Lord will move in our hearts. We have been preaching on the subject of reprobate, and we have, uh, sister, sister, would you open that nursery door there for them? They're waiting. I appreciate that. So we have been preaching on the, this thought of reprobates and where it has been coming in the scripture and what it means and, and, uh, and how does it apply uh, what does it really mean in the day in which we live this morning? And so, again, we're going to endeavor, uh, with the help of the Lord, to go to another place of the Scripture where it mentions the word reprobate. And that's going to be in 2 Corinthians chapter 13. 2 Corinthians chapter 13. And we'll read there in verse 5. And when we read in verse 5 this morning... Uh, I want to preach a message this morning. We won't finish it this morning, but maybe this evening we might, with, with the Lord's help there, that I want to preach the church under fire. The church under fire. And we see here in the chapter 13 in verse 5, as we stand in honor of God's Word this morning to read it, uh, but it already, in just one verse this morning, I know it did me when I began to read it and then began to study it, and began to ask the Lord to explain it, uh, to give me and to give us the understanding of it, uh, it became very convicting. It became very alarming. And if it does it to you this morning, that there's something dead within you. The Bible says in verse 5, Examine yourselves, whether ye be in the faith. Prove your own selves. Know ye not your own selves how that Jesus Christ is in you, except ye be reprobates. Now there's no room in this scripture this morning for a gray area. There's no room in this scripture for you riding the fence. There's no room in this scripture here this morning to say, I don't know. Uh, you are either or you're not. Either Christ lives in you or he don't live in you. Either you're a reprobate this morning or you're not. And it all depends on whether Christ lives in you. Amen. These are very, very strong words from Paul. And guess who he's writing it to? The church. The church. Not writing it to the world not writing it to the lost, even though there were many in that church that were. He's not writing it unto the heathen, but he's writing the scriptures unto the church. So could it be this morning that God has so seen fit that you and I would take this verse personally and we might examine ourselves, prove your own selves, Know your own selves, for Christ liveth in you, or you'll be a reprobate. Let's pray. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name. And Lord, I see such a soberness and a seriousness with this scripture today. It's almost, dear God, where even mankind can't even preach. Unworthy, undeserving uncapable, without ability. My heart, dear God, is so burdened down, Father, with the church this morning as, as enlarged of the whole world. And we find here today, dear God, that Paul's addressing the very church that he started in Acts chapter 18. God, I ask you for help this morning. God, I pray this morning, Lord, that we'd take seriously the Scripture. Open our eyes, our hearts. May God, we see it as it is. And Lord, I pray, Father, there be no reprobate walk out of this church this morning. I pray, Father, that everyone that was born again, saved by the glorious blood of the Lamb, and that Jesus Christ dwells in them. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. And amen. You may be seated. And so we find this morning that... Uh, Paul has started the church in Acts chapter 18. You can read that if you'd like. And you'll find as he started the church, 
the church uh, is now known in all the scripture and even amongst churches today that the most corrupt church, the, mo- the church that's full of corruption is the church of Corinth. Corinth was a horrible place to be. Corinth had much sinfulness within the city. It was a that town and city and a people that were full of pagan worship and pagan lifestyle. And we find that Paul goes to Corinth and starts a church, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. He writes the church of Corinth once. He writes the church of Corinth twice. He says he's coming for the third time. But when he comes back for the third time, he says in there in verse 2, I will not spare. So Paul in his mind, Paul in his heart, according to his writings, he is questioning whether the church of Corinth, not all, maybe some, maybe the majority, some said over 40%, Uh, I don't know, but what he's saying is to the church and what he's saying to us is I'm questioning whether you're even saved. I'm really wondering in my own heart, the church that I started in Acts, if some of y'all, if majority of y'all, if if, uh, many of y'all even know God. And boy, that's alarming to me, isn't it to you? That Paul would even consider that some of those that are in the church of Corinth would be reprobates. May how can we this morning even consider some people in Glory Baptist Church being reprobates? My, it's hurtful. It's painful. It's great burden. It's great troubling in my heart to know that, that the church, that Paul would write these words and he had doubt, even questions. Are you really even saved? Do you really even know God? Does Jesus Christ even dwell in you? And then he not only says to them, examine. That word examine means to test. He says, I need you to test yourselves. He says, I don't need God to test you. I'm not going to test you. But you need to test yourselves. You need to look in you this morning. You need to consider you this morning and look down deep within you and consider this morning, examine yourselves whether you're in the faith or not. Now that's a pretty strong statement from Paul. Now he can make it, he's the apostle. Uh, He was the the preacher of that time of that church and we find uh, that he was the authority because he brought him forth as a father unto children. And we find here that he's saying to them, test yourselves whether you're in the faith or not. Now we understand tests this morning. We understand like blood test. You go and get a blood test and the doctor don't want the blood test to condemn you or correct you. Even though when the blood does come forth and to say some things like you have high cholesterol, you better change your diet. You got high, low sugar, you got high sugar, you got this, you got that, so we're going to make some adjustments. But really the blood test is to determine where you are, where you at, like an eye test. An eye test is determine your eyes, where you are, what's going on. I have an eye test every year. I don't have an eye test to, to go because something's wrong or something I can't see or something this. I just go for a checkup, an annual checkup, right? I mean, we, it, you should do that if you can or able to, so we get an eye test. You get an ear test. You go, doctor, you get an ear test. Can you hear? Uh, yeah, you're about deaf, you know. I mean, uh, there's all kind of things going on. You got ringing in your ears all the time. Yeah, you know, you're going to need to hear an aid. I mean, all those things is not to condemn you nor correct you, but it's just to let you know where you are. Right. Sister Claudia had an MRI test on Friday, and that was to tell her where she's at. And so the question this morning is, is you need to test yourself. That word examine means test. And you need to test yourself this morning to where you really are. Where am I at? And then Paul says, not only do I, do I question you by asking you to test, he says that I want you to prove. Right. Now prove is a little bit more deeper and a little bit more extreme about than test. For example... Uh, if I was going to buy a horse, now I hate horses. The only horse I've ever been on, I got jumped off. But one day I'm coming back in a white horse. I can't explain all that. I don't understand that. But I just know uh, that uh, if you're ever going to buy a horse, 
You'll look at that horse and you'll look at it and, and see what it looks like. You'll see if it's been fed. you see if it's got any diseases or spots or you got anything on it. You look under its legs. You look around. You look this. You look that. Uh, you try to do as much examination as you can on the horse because if you're going to buy the horse for $1,000, you're going to make sure that the horse is not sickly or the horse has a broken leg or the horse is uh, something about it that you can tell by the way of its coat, by the way of its teeth, by the way of its ears, by the way of its tail, by the way of its muscle structure, and you're going to test it, you're going to examine it, and you're going to say, okay, you know what, I think I might want this, uh, this horse, but there's one more thing you're going to do if you're a pretty good buyer. You'll say, let's prove it. Let me get on it. Let me watch it run. Uh, let, me, let me take it for a spin. Yeah, let me go fast. Let me go slow. Oh, this, all this kind of stuff, right? I mean, you're going to prove it. Now, you tested it. So far, so good. But you want to prove it. Now, Paul goes even deeper, though. He says, I don't only really want you to, to test yourselves, but I want you to prove yourselves. He said, I want you to put yourself in action. Make sure that what you're thinking or what you're knowing. He said, but thirdly, I want you to know. I want you to know yourself. Now, this gets a little deeper. In order for you to buy that horse, you're going to have to say, I know that that horse is worth the amount of money that I'm about to spend on it because I examined it, I proved it, and I know. I know. And what the Lord is saying to us this morning and Paul saying to the church of Corinth is this. He says, I doubt your salvation. I don't believe you're really saved. Now, you're going to have to Test yourselves. You got to prove yourselves. You got to know yourselves. And this is what you got to know Jesus Christ is in me. Jesus Christ. Not what you believe, not the prayer you prayed, not the baptistry you went through, not the experiences you had, not the visions and dreams and all these other things that you might have come up with, not all these promises, not all this, I prayed this, I prayed that. No, it's Christ. In you are your reprobate, except you be a reprobate. So Paul, this is what he's saying. So let's get into it because I believe this morning that we probably could lie to ourselves. We probably could think something of ourselves that's really not true. I mean, how many of us in this room would honestly be honest with God and say, you know what, I'm just not saved. Or yes, Lord, I'm saved. I've tested it, I've proved it, and I know it. And so we find this morning that's our, that's our job this morning to do so. I want you to notice, though, the reason why Paul would question the church and question their salvation and ask them to, to test and prove and know themselves whether Christ is in them because he, there were some signs of trouble. There were some signs uh, that seem or something that seems to be wrong in the church. Amen. And so if we know anything about the church of Corinth, uh, we could say, wow, I guess so. This church has professed to know Jesus. This church has confessed that Christ is the Lord and the Savior of their lives. And we find this morning, as you go back, and we'll do that this morning, there are some signs something is wrong. I wonder this morning, is there any signs and you that something is wrong. And number one, I want you to notice that the church was in disunity. Turn to chapter 1 of 1 Corinthians as we began this test. The, the reason for the test, I called it this morning. So now we began the test. And we find out whether we are uh, or we're not, whether Christ is in us or not in us, and, and Father, whether determine whether we're a reprobate or not this morning, uh, we find the church is in disunity. Now we know that being in disunity this morning is not the will of God. We know that's not what God wants in His church is disunity. But we find in chapter 1 and verse 10, Paul says, Now beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing. 
and that there be no divisions among you, but there be perfectly joined together in the name of mind and in the same judgment. For it had been declared unto me, my brethren, by them which are of the house of Shiloh, that there are contentions among you. Now I say that every one you say it, I am of Paul, I am of Paulus, I am of Cephas, and of Christ, is Christ divided. We find this morning that in this scripture we find disunity in the church. And because of disunity in the church, Paul was saying, you need to test yourself, you need to prove yourself, you need to know yourself whether you are in Christ is in you and you're not reprobates because there's something wrong with the church, the body of Christ being in disunity. Uh, there was fractures in the church. Uh, these, there was factions in the church. There was fightings in the church according to the scriptures. Look at chapter 3 and verse 1. He does a little bit of in depth. He says, And my brethren could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. I have fed you with milk, not with meat. For hitherto you are not able to bear it, neither yet now are you able. For you are yet carnal, for whereas there is among you envying, strife, divisions, and and you are not carnal, and walk as men. For while one saith, I am of Paul, another I am of Apollos, are ye yet carnal? Who then is Paul, and who is Apollos, but ministers by whom you believe, even as the Lord gave to every man? I have planted, and Apollos have watered, but God has gave the increase. So then neither is he that planteth anything, neither he that watereth, but God that giveth the increase. What is Paul saying? Paul saying that you are in some trouble. There is some problems in the church of Corinth and I am concerned about your salvation. There is fracturing in the church. There is faction in the church. There is fightings in the church because of the allegiances to man. See, your allegiance is to man. They said, I am of Paul here. In other words, uh, I follow Paul. Uh, I am looking to Paul. Uh, Paul is the one that I am uh, looking to and following and the one that I have great respect for. Then some say, no, it's not Paul. Uh, No, it's not him at all. Well, who is it? It's Apollos. Oh, Apollos, yeah, I am the one that is of Apollos. I follow Paulus. I look to Paulus. I have Paulus as my hero. Paulus is the one that I listen to. Paulus is the one that I can trust in. And some say, well, no, you know, it's not Apollos. It's not Paul. Well, who is it then? Well, I am of Cephas. Amen? And I am going to trust Cephas. And I'm going to look to Cephas. And I'm the one who's going to just do what Cephas wants me to do. And Paul was telling them, listen, uh, is Christ divided? I mean, is it Christ this morning that is the one that died for you? The one that shed his blood on the cross of Calvary? The one that you look to? Why do you have allegiances to man? And we find in the church of today that people look to the pastor and people look to other people and people look to other men and other women and they look at allegiances and they put their loyalties in them and they look to them. And Fred, he said, Christ isn't divided. It's Christ alone. It's not man. It's not woman. It's not you. It's not them. It's not they. It's him and him alone. And Fred, when you start having allegiances and loyalties to man rather than Christ, he said, there's something wrong. Something wrong. Well, I tell you, you need, to, you need to examine yourselves. For it's Christ and Christ himself only. Every single person in this room, the only reason why you should be here this morning is it because your mother made you and because your daddy commanded you, not because your wife wanted you, not because your husband said you ought to come, not because it feels good and not because there's nothing else to do and not because it's Sunday and our people are to come to church, but the only reason why you ought to be here this morning and why you ought to be here tonight is Christ alone. Undivided. I'm telling you this morning, there's something wrong. Whenever your allegiance is is to you, I do what I do because that's what I want to do. We find here this morning the church a problem. There was allegiances to man. I want you to notice number two. There was grievances of man. 
within the church, not only was the allegiances of men, that's including themselves, but there's grievances. That word, look at that word envying in verse 3, chapter 3, verse 3. The word envying means outburst of anger. In other words, within the church of Corinth, there was this outburst of anger, envying. And Fred, you could talk to a member and they would just shout out with outbursts. Uh, they would get angry quickly and hastily. Uh, you try to talk to them and you couldn't talk to them because they would get so red-faced and, and they would get so aggravated and so, and so uh, demanding and even rude. And uh, even, Fred, you couldn't even ask them a question because their, their time would come that they would just blow up at you. You might do that at home, and it's a sin at home as well. And you might do that at work, but it's a sin at work too. But when you come into the house of God without outbursts, nobody can't question you. Nobody can't ask you. Nobody can't uh, just come to you and say, hey, listen, uh, how about this? How about that? It looks like you're doing this. It looks like you're doing that. Hey, you know what? Some of us today would probably have an outburst of, of, in their own uh, anger if somebody come and ask you in this church, are you saved? No. They say, it offends me. Why, why does that offend you? If somebody asks you if you're saved this morning. I believe you ought to ask everybody around here, are you saved? That might be a good question, amen, to ask people. Not how your day, how your week, hey, how was Biden, how was Trump, how was the Astros, how was uh, the, the old Texans today, how was the football games yesterday, but are you saved? Yeah. Hey, uh, how did you get saved? Well, what makes you think you're saved? Hey, what's wrong with that question? But you know what? It offends somebody. It will offend us today if somebody come ask you, why would you think I'm not saved? I'm not thinking you're not saved. I'm just asking you, are you saved? I mean, that's a good question, isn't it? Hey, if somebody come ask me, am I saved? I'm going to say glory, hallelujah, glory to God. Amen, praise His holy name. Because now I get to tell somebody how I got saved. Yeah. Amen, how many days did you get to do that? How many times did you get to do that? Hey, I would I pray that everybody I meet would ask me, hey, are you saved? I say, absolutely, I'm born again. Let me tell you about Jesus, amen. And go on and tell them about the Jesus that saved my soul. Wash me in his blood and give me a home in heaven. Written my name down in the last book of life. Has given me reservation, amen, that when I die, I see him. Ask me if I'm saved or not. I'm just telling you this morning. The church of Corinth was outburst of anger. Friend, the church, something wrong with that. Number two. Well, that grievances with man, not only were the outbursts of anger, but the word strife. The word strife means argument or fighting or debating. You know, them are those people that just seem like they want to argue with you. There are those people that just seem like they want to fight with you. Uh, you. You say, listen, man, can you do this? Why won't you ask somebody else to do that? Hey, hey could you come over here? Hey, why would you ask me to come over here? If I want to come over there, I would come over there. You know, that kind of guy, that kind of woman. And friend, it's in the church today as well. Uh, just fighting arguments of colors, of carpet, of little in, uh, things that has no meaning, things that have no, no reasoning. Uh, friend, it's just a little bickering. It's a little fighting. It's a little picking. It's like your hair's not right. Your dress is stupid. Your shoes are ridiculous. The way you walk is on my nerves. And the color of your hair, friend, what's wrong with you? Just little things that people just want to argue with and debate with and just have a problem with grievances with others. Amen. Churches are petty. Churches today, dear God, are so worried about what everybody else is doing, but they're not doing what Paul said to do, and that is test yourself. Yeah. Prove yourself. Know yourself. And so the church of Corinth was in strife. Just always arguing. Always in debates. Always fighting. Always grievance about this. Outbursts of anger. And then he said uh, there in that verse, he says divisions in verse 3. Divisions means there's disagreements. But always the disagreements led into discord. So it's disagreements. Now, you know, not all of us have to agree with everything, right? But our disagreements cannot lead to discord. 
I mean, you may not agree with me on every single thing that I do, and you may not, I may not always agree with you on every single thing that you do or say, but that don't mean you and I have to be divided. Churches today are in a mess. You know why? Because they're disagreeing with each other, but they're so immature and so carnal, and they walk as men that they can't live together disagreeing with each other. Amen. Amen. Paul said something bad wrong with you. <laughs> there is some disunity in the church. He says there is some bad issues. He said you are not only uh, in, in the way of, of having a, allegiances of man and a grievances with man, but he says there is resemblances of man. He said you're supposed to be saved. You're supposed to be filled with the Holy Ghost of God. You're supposed to be living a Christ-like life. You're supposed to be living as the biblical character and standard that has been laid out for you, but you're living as men. Look what he says. Chapter 3. He says there in verse 3, And you are not carnal and walk as men. What does that mean to you and I this morning to walk as men, to walk as carnal? Did you say, well, should the church walk as man? No. They should walk as Christ. Amen. See, we, we, we get ourselves in a place where we think it's okay to live like a man. When I say like a man, I'm talking about like humankind. That word carnal there, or that word man there, it means this. It means unsaved. It means fleshly and animal-like. That's what carnal means. You say, are there such things as carnal Christians? No. There's no such thing as a carnal Christian. That's like a saved, a saved, a saved devil. Right. I mean, you know, there ain't no saved devil. There ain't no carnal Christian either. Right. Paul is not saying that you're a Christian and you're carnal. He said, you are just like men that are lost, men that are unsaved, men that are animal-like. Right. You know the difference between you and a dog today? A soul. Without you being saved, we're all like animals. What's our existence? Eat. Right? Play. Right? Mate. Yeah. Animals do that. I mean, listen, friend. We think we eat and pleasure and mate and we got it all going on. A dog can do that. That's animal-like. That's carnal. That's like man. And Paul said, you're acting like a dog. You're acting like an animal. You're acting like somebody's not saved. You're acting like somebody don't know anything about God. What's wrong with you people? Something was wrong. Paul said, you need to examine yourselves, whether you're in a faith or not. You need to prove yourselves. You need to know yourselves, not that Christ dwelleth in you, except you be reprobates. church is not only in disunity, but the church is in disarray. Think in chapter 6 of 1 Corinthians. Chapter 6 in verse 1 Corinthians, look at verse 1, it says, Dare any of you having a matter against another go to law before the unjust and not before the saints? Do you not know that the saints shall judge the world, and if the world shall be judged by you, are you unworthy to judge the smallest matters? Know you not that you shall judge angels how much more things that pertain to this life? If then you have judgments of things pertaining to this life, set them to judge who are least esteemed in the church. I speak to your shame. Is it so that there is not a wise man among you? No, not one that shall be able to judge between the, his brethren. Her, but brother goeth into law, goeth to law with brother, and that before the unbelievers. Now therefore there is utterly a fault among you because you go to law one another with another. Why do you not rather take wrong? Why do you not rather suffer yourselves to be defrauded? Man, what's going on in the church of Corinth is church members are going to law, taking the other members to court. You say, well, brother, what's wrong with that? There's a lot of things wrong with that. You don't ever take a Christian to court. Ever. That's unchristlike. 
We find that he took them to court. Then secondly, uh, looking for the unbelievers to settle the members' grievances. So when you go to the courthouse and you go to the judge and the prosecutors and the defense attorneys and you go to all those people, you're taking yourself that's a believer and putting it under the authority of an unbeliever and allowing the unbeliever to take care of the believer's responsibilities. Do you not see problems with that? That's what they're doing in the church of Corinth. And then thirdly, he says, what's even more of a troubling for me is that you're the lacking one man in the church to be able to make the right judgment for what's going on in the church? Is there not just one wise man? Just one person that can take care of your trouble and your problems that y'all would listen to and abide by? Do you not see something wrong in Corinthians? It's in disarray. They're revealing to the unbelievers. They're revealing to the lost. They're revealing to the world of how messed up the church is. We're going to knock on their doors and tell them, hey, won't you come to glory about this church? That's where Jesus is at. We want you to come get saved and born again. We want you to live a life of pleasure and live life of rest and peace with God. We want you to know that when you die, you can go to heaven. You can have your sins forgiven. Oh, we want you to know that this Christian life, we love one another. And next thing you know, us loving one another is down in the courthouse in front of the lost people. And we're out here telling them, yeah, that guy did this, this guy did that. Yeah, he's a sorry this, he's sorry that, he's sorry that. And they said, yeah, let's go to glory about this church. <laughs> That'd be a good place to go to. They'd go to court against you. And then they lay out to the whole world their dirty laundry. <laughs> I want to go there. Do y'all see something wrong with this picture yet? No. Oh, we find here, lastly, that they were choosing not to take the wrong and to suffer with it. You say, brother, is that Christian? Oh, yeah, that's very much Christian today. If somebody comes to you and said, you said this, you did that, and you know you didn't say it, and you know you didn't do it. And you look them square in the eye and say, I didn't do any of that, but I take the wrong for it. And maybe I did do something, and maybe I did say something. I'd say, yes, sir, and yes, ma'am, I said that. I'm sorry. What did it cost you? I'll be willing to pay for it. I take the wrong and I suffer in it. That's Christian today. Not trying to get around it, not trying to get over it, not trying to get under it, not trying to get out without getting having any cost to it. You do something, you did something, you pay for it. You say I did it and I don't do it no more, but whatever it did for you or did to you, I take full responsibility. That's Christianity. Amen. Oh, the church was in disarray. The church was in disunity. The church was in division. We find in chapter 4, we're not going to read these because we're just going to move through them, but I want to mention them. In chapter 4, in verse 8, we find that the church is puffed up at Paul. Mad at Paul. We find... We find that in chapter 7 of Corinthians that Paul had to explain about marriage and divorce. He had to teach them about marriage. and They had problems with marriage. They had problems with divorce. They had problems with home. They had problems with spouse. They had problems with the married. It was a mess, a hot mess. And Paul had to go explain. And Paul had to tell again, listen, friend, y'all, y'all are a hot mess. I'm having to go through this with the marriage and divorce. And in chapter 8, he's talking to them about eating meat of the idols. Some are saying you don't eat the meat. Some are saying you do eat the meat. Some say if you do eat the meat, you're sinful. Or if you do eat the meat, then you're wrong. And some says you're not wrong if you eat the meat. And Paul had to come through in chapter 8 to explain to them about eating meat of the sacrifices. Divisions. Divisions. Paul in chapter 10, he had to go through and talk about adultery. The church was in adultery. church was, was participating with adultery. Uh, they were involved in adultery. Worshipping of other gods. Chapter 10. Chapter 11. Paul has to talk to them about the head coverings. On a woman, on a man. 
And uh, what does that mean? And what did that do? And how does that help? And if you have a hood covering when you come in, you must, must be spiritual. If you don't have a head cover, you're not spiritual. You know, if you're a man who has long hair, a man who has short hair, a woman who has long hair, a woman who has short hair, all of these issues Paul had to go through. Church of Division. Chapter 11, Paul had to talk to him about the Lord's Supper, about what to do with the Lord's Supper, how to take the Lord's Supper. What did the Lord's Supper mean? And who can take the Lord's Supper? And when do they take the Lord's Supper? And the Lord's Supper, uh, there's some uh, that do and some that don't. And so he's having to talk to him about the Lord's Supper. We find a church in division. In chapters 12 through 14, he has to explain to them and talk to them about spiritual gifts. He had to go into to each individual of them, had to tell them where they come from, how did they get the spiritual gift, and what happens to the spiritual gift. In chapter 13, he talks about how tongues will cease and how prophecy will be done away with, and that which is perfect shall come, and that which is done will be a part. Talk about the Word of God. He had to explain all this about this spirit, uh, the, uh, the, spirits of, uh, the gift of the Spirit. We find uh, that now in chapter 15, he has to talk to them about the resurrection of Christ. Some say that Christ will not be resurrected. Some say that nobody's resurrected. Somebody says everybody's resurrected. So he had to explain about the resurrection in chapter 15. Then he has to talk to them about the rapture in chapter 15 of 1 Corinthians. Uh, they, they didn't know. They didn't know what to do. They didn't know what to think. They didn't know what to expect. Paul then had to talk to him about the collections of saints in chapter 16 of Corinthians. About taking up that money and giving it to the people in Jerusalem. So there was a church of division. Do you not see that this morning? A church in disarray. A church in disunity. But not only did, I, did he see some things that seemed to be wrong, but he noticed some sins that they knew that were wrong. For example, 1 Corinthians chapter 5, incest. What's going on in the church? There was a man who was, took on his father's wife, incest. We find in that church, that church was acceptable of that. They were tolerant of that. They were saying, it's okay, it's all right. And Paul said, oh no, it's not okay, it's not all right, sin so we find incest taking place in the church. We see number two in chapter, that's in chapter five. In chapter six, we see sexual immorality going on in church. In the house of God, in the Corinth church, sexual immorality, fornication, sex outside of marriage. We find in chapter 10 of Corinth that they were sacrificing to devils and having fellowship with devils. Church! We find in chapter two, uh, chapter 2 of 2 Corinthians, uh, Paul talks to them about disobedience in church discipline. Paul said to, to not eat with this one. Uh, Paul said to set this one to the side. Paul said this is under church discipline. But they didn't obey that. They didn't do what Paul asked them to do. They didn't do anything that Paul asked. They were disobedient in church discipline. We find some sin that was wrong in the church. In chapter 6 of 2 Corinthians, we find they were unequally yoked. Paul had to go tell them, be not unequally yoked. So they were unequally yoked. We find in chapter 8 of 2 Corinthians, uh, they're not giving of the promise of what they said they were going to give. Chapters 8, chapters 9. They said that they were going to give to the, to the poor of Jerusalem, and they promised it. And Paul came back, and this is where we get our faith promise from or our, our grace giving from. And Paul said, you promised it. You said you would give it. Matter of fact, you were an encouragement to the people of Macedonia and those in Macedonia that gave. They gave in their poverty. They gave, they gave in the, with nothing they had. They gave themselves first, and yet you didn't give anything. You promised, but you didn't do it. Sin. Sin. In the church. Now the question is this morning, maybe, are we talking about saved people? No. Paul had to deal with 2 Corinthians chapter 10, comparing themselves to themselves. 
That's who they compared themselves. They said that we're good because we're good because of their bad. And they were looking to themselves, for themselves, to see what kind of persons they were. And Paul had to deal with that. That's sin. We find in chapter 11 of 2 Corinthians, he said there's false apostles and deceitful workers. They're coming as angel of light. They're teaching you false heresies. Y'all are taking it and swallowing it and receiving it in. It don't matter what I told you. It don't matter what I taught you. It don't matter what the Holy Ghost of God is telling you. It don't matter what the truth is. You are receiving these things from these men and women that are not true. Now I wonder, we're talking about the church of Corinth, aren't we? Are we talking about people who are under the disguise of a Christian? Now do you think Paul may have a point in chapter 13 and verse 5 to say to them, Examine yourselves. Prove yourselves. Know yourselves. Whether Christ is in you, except you be reprobates. Something's wrong here. Signs. Sins. We notice that in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, you can turn there with me. And look there in verse 20. Paul says, for I fear lest when I come, I shall, find, I, shall, I, I shall not find you such as I would, but that I shall be found unto you such as you would not, lest there be debates. And now he's going to give a list of what's going on in the church. Now we're talking about so-called Christian people. We're talking about so-called people who say they're the church this morning. Debates. Now what is a debate? A debate is a contention between one another. If you have any contention to any member in this church or anyone that goes to this church this morning, you're a debater. You have an issue, you got a problem, and God is not in favor of that. You have contention between members of this church. Examine yourselves. Is there anything, anyone... Today that you can't go and hug or shake hands or tell them, let's go eat. Okay, listen, I want to be with you. I want to spend the day with you. Is there anybody in this room or not even here this morning because they're sick or working or something's going on that you've got contentions with? Well, you're no better than Corinth. The word debate. Then the next word is envyings. The Bible says that word is jealousies between one another. Jealousy. Somebody gets a new car, they don't deserve that. Somebody gets a promotion in job, I can do more than that. Somebody comes in with a new outfit, you start talking to them, they, they think they're somebody. They got a new outfit on. Somebody comes in, Fred, uh, that, that is happy and joyful about things alive, you say, well, that, that won't last very long. I, they, they, I don't know why they're so happy. Just jealousies. Jealousies of people's hair, jealousies of people's dress, jealousies of people's job, jealousies of the way they drive, the jealousies of their spouse. Uh, you hear that a lot. They don't deserve that girl. I tell you, that man right there is a lot better than what she deserves. Amen. Amen. They use it like this. They kind of go around the corner and say, you know what, I just can't, they just don't match up. Shut up. Ah! Shut it up, man. What do you mean they don't match up? Are you the matchmaker? They say, well, they, they just don't go together. Hey, that's just going around the world because you're just jealous. Hey, boy. All right, thank you for that. Oh, man, over there to the right. We find wrath. Verse 20. That's fits of anger between one another. You ever throw a fit? I know everybody's lips are sealed. I mean, I'm, I, got, I got locked jaw for God. I'll not say nothing about them fits of anger. But friend, that's what they were doing in the church of Corinth. They were just having fits of anger. They would just uh, they would get angry at one another and storm off, not come back to church, not even call, not even text, not even email, not even Facebook, not even TikTok. 
I mean, just gone. And you ever see them again, you ask them, what's the matter? Oh, I'm just angry. Well, bless your little heart. I mean, listen, Fred, we feel so sad for you. We want to give you a thimble of love. Strives, verse 20. Now, are you, are you examining yourself? Is this things that you might have? You say, well, I got them with my wife. Yeah, but you're in church. I got them with my husband. Yeah, but you're right here in the, in the church. Well, you know, I got it with my brother. Yeah, but you're here in the church. How about this? Uh, this strives means faction between one another. There's just something between us. Some of y'all have never went out to eat with a member of this church. Some of you have never asked anybody over or asked everybody over at one time or another to your house. Some of you have never even just spoke over a five-minute segment after church or before church about just how are you doing. Why is it so quiet? Why is it so quiet? Well, them Corinthians, man, they were wicked. Well, you know, this Glorians, we might be just as wicked. Huh? We don't want to admit that. Strives. I'll be done in a minute. Some of y'all really want me to get done early today. Backbiters. Talking about others between one another. You know, when you go home and talk about Brother Larry. You know, when you're driving in the car and say, you know, that's so-and-so. Backbiter. He said, yeah, but I'm talking to my wife. Backbiter. He said, but we're in the privacy of our home. We're in the back room. It's called, it's called, uh, uh, boy, what's that room where the mom and daddy gets? The, uh, the uh, master bedroom. It's where the masters are at. And so they're back there in the master bedroom in the master bed and with the master bathroom and with the master people. And they're back there in the master backbiting. Yeah. Just talking about everybody. Talking about that. There's some sins. There's some sins in Corinthian church. Paul said, I don't know if you're even saved. Oh, then he goes on and talks about whispers. Whispers is hints or in sly manner tell secrets of one another. Whispers. You with your spouse, and spouses do this all the time, uh, in, the, in the, the privacy of your home and the things that take place within your four walls and, and all that, uh, you are real quick to go out and tell somebody about something that somebody else did or your wife did or somebody did in a way of a slander, in a way of a slant to show negatives, the way of, of showing them that there's something wrong with them and you're just a whisper. Yeah. Amen! We tell friends that. We tell parents that. We tell, uh, we tell family members that. Uh, we tell church members that. Uh, we, we, we think we're doing okay. And you know what we want to call it? And baloney on this and puke on this. They say this. I just want to vent. When somebody says they want to vent, you tell them you're not part of the venting system. Can you do that? No, you won't. Because the majority of people today are busybodies. They want to know what's going on in your four walls. They want to know what the relationship between the husband and wife is. They want to know how much money you make. They want to know what you eat in the evening. They want to know, Fred, what, what clothes you wear at the work. They want to know what's going on. Amen. I'm just being honest this morning. A lot of people don't like that. That's true. People who say, I want to vent, they just want to be whispers. And you're taking it in. And you're saying, man, I'm the gatherer of whispering. God has given me a mission. 
I'm a missionary to whisperers. And hey, listen, if anybody wants to whisper to me about all the sly and cunning things that are going on in people's life, I take the brunt of it. I suffer with you. Just tell me. That's the way it works. Whispers. Is there any reason why Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 would say to the church, examine yourselves? Whether you're in the faith or not? I mean, prove yourselves. Know yourselves, not how Christ Jesus is in you, except you be reprobates. Swellings. I love this word, swelling. Swellings, full of pride to one another. You don't hear that much. Some people, they got swelled up. You don't hear that, do you? When somebody goes off full of pride and they, they, they think there's somebody, uh, they, we call them swell. You know, that's what the Bible calls them. They swelled up. Like a, like a, like a water buffalo, you know, all swelled up. Like a, like a frog. You know, a frog gets all swelled up. In that church of Corinth, they were all swelled up. Pride. Proudful, thinking there's somebody. That the message this morning didn't mean anything for them, but it meant for somebody else. Just like this morning, the message don't mean anything to you, but it just means something to somebody else. I mean, we can walk out here in just a moment and say, I'm so glad so-and-so was here this morning. Hey, man, I'm so glad they heard the message this morning. I hope something happens in their lives and they can get it right. I'm telling you, I hope they come back next week and let Brother Larry just preach. They need the preaching of God's Word. Man, they are something else. They remind me of the Corinthian church. Them people there need to, they're reprobates. Huh. No, I ain't going to say that. Okay. Tumults. We find verse 20, the last word is tumults. What does that mean? That means causing disorder with one another. Just keeping things going. Just keeping things on the fire. Just keeping little troubles and situations happening. You're not trying to resolve anything. You're not being a solutions anywhere. You just come to Brother Larry and you come to everybody else giving us the problems. It'd be good someday somebody would come to me and say, Brother, I got a solution. Brother, then I got a problem. Brother, we got a problem in this church. Fold the hand. We got a problem in this church. What's the problem? Everybody else. That's what I figured. And really the problem is the one speaking to me. That's the problem. Oh, we always got to just stop right there and say, wait a minute, let me just talk about you. I know you want to talk about everybody else, but they're not here. And the only person I look at is you, so let's deal with you. Are you reading your Bible? How dare you ask me that? No, I'm not. All right? Are you at church faithfully? Well, as faithful as I can. Well, let me ask you another question. How's your prayer life? Well, you know what? I I do. I I pray. How often? Well, I I pray maybe a couple times a week. I say, okay, well then, when you get all those three things straightened out, come back. And we might fix the problem. You know whatever ever happens? They don't ever come back. I don't understand. I don't, I don't know what happened. Everything seems to be okay. Well, now we go to there. Let me finish this. I know. I hope you ain't got a roast in the oven. But then he goes on to say, and look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 21. He says, unless when I come again, my God will, will humble me among you that I shall be well many which have sinned already and have not repented of the uncleanness and fornication, lasciviousness which they have committed. So now, the uh, uncleanness, fornication, lasciviousness is in the church. What is uncleanness? It means impure and immoral and foul. It's the same word we get our word demonic from. The uncleanness is demonic. He says, what's going on in the church? Demonic activity. Isn't that something? In the church of Corinth. 
demonic activity, uncleanness, vile, putrid, sexual, impure, immoral. Then he talks about verse 18. He says, I mean verse 21, he says fornication. Fornication is indulging on any unscriptural sex. Sex with marriage, sex with non-marriage, sex uh, with many, sex with the opposite sex, sex with the same sex, 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 sex. Happening in the church. In Corinthians, we find the third word is lasciviousness. What does that mean? Well, that means there's someone, there's no shamelessness, there's no, it's outrageous, it's filthy, it's excessive drinking, it's excessive drugs, it's excessive partying, it's excessive sex, it's um, mixing uh, substances together, multiple people together, and many hours of it. So what are you saying, Brother Larry? I'm saying in the church of Corinth, Fred, uh, there was partying down. It's everything... You want to do as a lost person? You do as a so-called saved person. You want to drink a little? No. You want to smoke a little? No. You want to dip a little? You want to, you want to take some champagne at a special occasion? No. You want to get a little wine to, to relax? No. You want to get a little, little, little sleeping pill in order to get you sleeping? You want to get another pill to get you going? You know, we want, we, 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 whatever you want to do. If you want to watch on TV, if you'll watch on your little phone that you have there, a little pornography stuff. And uh, you, you want to, you know, it's amazing to me, uh, guys, they, they, get that, they get that magazine or they get that, watch that deal where it's a Sports Illustrated. The Sports Illustrated. Or the one that has like the, 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 uh, the, the, uh, the Mustang, not the Mustang, but the cars, the muscle cars. Or the uh, motorcycles. You know, you know all that has on there? Pornography. Oh, I just love cars. I'm just into sports. Yeah, but you, you just keep on turning pages of those naked women. I'm a deacon. I'm a trustee. I'm a Christian. I'm a preacher. I would think this morning that we ought to be examining ourselves. Is it happening with us. And then here lastly, let me close, they were unrepentant. Verse 21 says, and have not repented of. They're unwilling to acknowledge it. They're unwilling to turn from it. They're unwilling to condemn it. And they're unwilling to suffer for it. Let me tell you what repentance is. Or unrepentant means. Unrepentant means this, four things. Number one, those who are unrepentant, they are unwilling to acknowledge it. Unwilling to acknowledge it. Number two, they're unwilling to turn from it. If someone says to you, I'm sorry, I won't do that again, it's not repentance. To you in here that says, you know what, I'm going to change my life, I'm going to get it together, I'm going to start coming to church more, I'm going to read my Bible more, I'm going to pray more, I'm going to give offerings, I'm going to give missions, I'm going to tell people about Jesus Christ, I'm going to live this Christian life. And friend, you don't go do it. Friend, you're unrepentant. You're unrepentant. In order to be repentant, you have to turn from it. So they're willing to turn from it. They were unwilling to acknowledge it. Thirdly, you have to be willing to condemn it. Condemn it. What I did, what I said, how I behaved, I condemn it. I hate it. I condemn it. And then lastly, they're unwilling to suffer for it. Many of folks today who they, they say I'm repentant, but they don't want to take the they don't want to take the consequences of what they did. Now here's a repentant individual. Let's use the word uncleanness. So I'd say that I committed an act of uncleanness. I would come to the church and say, Church, I may just say this to you. I acknowledge that I have done what has been accused of me of doing, and I acknowledge that. I want to repent. Secondly, I tell you from this day forward, that activity, that behavior will never enter into my life. It, I'll never be part of that anymore. I'm done. Thirdly, I'm going to let you know that I condemn that. Nobody should be doing that. Nobody ought to be doing that. That's condemnable. And then fourthly, whatever it is, 
that I have to pay, I'll pay for it. If I lose my being a pastor, if I lose my job, if I lose my marriage, if I lose my life, whatever it is, I want it. I want to take it because I sinned and I'm being repented of it. That's repentance. Anything less than that, it's just a lot of hot air. It's not anybody really wanting to get right with you nor God. Amen? So I say to you in closing here, we'll finish tonight, but in closing tonight, can I say that Paul would come to the church in the end of 2 Corinthians in chapter 13, and he would say to them, examine yourselves to see whether you're in the faith or not. Prove your own selves. No, not yourselves. How Jesus Christ is in you, except you be reprobates. And now you know why he would say that. And this morning, I wonder if the Holy Ghost of God would say that to you. Are you really? Are you really a Christian? Let's stand to our feet. Heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Are you really in the things you do, the places you go, the people you, you entertain? The lack of faithfulness in the house of God? Robbing God? Wonder this morning. Of course, we can't be as Paul. I can't make that statement out, but the Holy Spirit of God can. He can say to you right now, examine yourself. But then I need you to prove it. Not just examine, but prove. Can you prove today you're a Christian? Can you prove that Christ lives in you? Do you know it? There's anything you say, I know, I know one thing. I know Christ lives in me. Do you know that? If you don't this morning, you're a reprobate. Won't you come get born again? You sing, Brother George. Won't you come? Won't you come? I hope you come back tonight. It's going to make more sense tonight. Yes, amen. There's no shame this morning in saying, I'm not really a Christian. The shame is walking out like that. There's no shame coming to the altar or coming to me after the service and say, Brother, I need to talk to you. I need Christ in me. He's not in me. I made a profession of faith. I got baptized. I go to church and I wear a facade and I, I try to do my best. But Christ living in me, that's a, different, that's a different level. That's a different story. Does Christ live in you? Is Christ in you this morning? The only way, the only way you can't be a reprobate is Christ in you. Christ in you. Does Christ dwell in you? Yes, amen. Amen. Let's be dismissed this morning. Sister Packard, Larry, good to see you this morning. May the Lord bless you. We pray. What time are you going back or when are you going back? Sometime this week? In the morning. In the morning. Well, y'all pray for Sister Packard. Larry, you taking her back? No. No? Your sister is. Okay. You pray for the safe travel back to Alabama. And uh, good to see you, Sister Packard. My heart's blessed that you're here. Let's be dismissed in word of prayer. Brother George, you dismiss this. to be holy, speak off with thy Lord, abide in him always.
God's children, help those who are weak, forgetting in nothing His blessing to seek. Take time to be holy, the world rushes on, spend much time in secret with Jesus alone, by looking to Jesus like him thou shalt be. shall see. Take time to be holy, be calm in thy soul. Each thought and each motive beneath his control. Thus led by his spirit, of love.